Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk Recorded live. Welcome to Spanish Mustang Radio, where we explore from the past to the present the Spanish Mustang breed. I'm Wynn Brookhouse, and with me is my co-host, Jolie Alonji, who is working the board. Today's show is sponsored by AeroRockSpanishMustang.com. Our guest today is Anne-Marie Pinter. Hi, Anne. How are you today? Uh, hi, Wynn. Uh, uh, thank you very much. Re- real good. Okay, and Jolie's with us, and I know Dave is here, Dave Reynolds. Um, so, guys, nice to join. I know there's a bunch of other people out there, but I don't know who you are, so thanks for listening in. And let's just get started, because right before we started recording the show, you were talking about the Tevis Cup. Can you explain to everybody what that race is or what the Tevis Cup is? Well, um, actually, the Tevis Cup is um, is the award. The the uh, 100-mile endurance race is named the Western States Tevis, uh, Western States Trail Ride, which is like far from just a trail ride. <laughs> it's one of the toughest endurance uh, rides in the world. You're supposed to ride 100 miles over across the rugged Sierra and Nevada mountains in 24 hours. And there's all kinds of obstacles. Um, it's pretty scary for the novice. <laughs> and like there's a 20-foot tall rock formation. There is like a barely a foot um, trail with shells, you know, and uh, looking down to a river, <laughs> and six canyons, you know, where um, the heat could be like over 110 degrees during the summer. So it's a real true test of um, uh, of horse and rider. Okay. And um, I know that the horse that you have ridden the most is Monty, um, and he's your endurance horse. And now, what did you do to work with Monty um, for getting him ready for the Tavis Cup? As far yeah, as I was training. hoping you're not going to ask that because <laughs> I tell you why because um, believe it or not I was pretty inexperienced at that time maybe I have been riding three or four years altogether but um, uh, I knew that I needed a Mustang a Spanish Mustang to do that race with that was like in on my favor and um, but I mean I knowing about endurance or conditioning. I was pretty green at it, so I did um, what I would not recommend to anybody else. <laughs> I um, actually um, I knew that I needed to have a mature uh, Spanish Mustang, at least 10 years old, who was raised in rugged country, you know. And mm-hmm. uh, so that was a good decision on my part, you know. And uh, so uh, my good friend Phyllis Falconer uh, found Montana for me and the mayor, and I needed to choose, and I took a look at Monty's picture, and I said, this is the horse. I mean, there was no wavering, nothing. You know, he just was calling for me from the picture. And uh, anyways, um, I uh, wanted to do the Tevis in 87, August the 8th. Montana arrived to me, um, uh, let's see, at the end of January. And uh, I uh, had six months, basically. And a friend of mine who was an endurance rider told me, he says, well, he says, you need to do 650 miles before you do the Tevis. So, well, I hopped on that horse, and he looked like a gigantic buffalo with hair and all and stuff, and enthusiastically I went to it. And I really caused a lot of up, uproar and then laughter on the trails with these uh, uh, people riding their sleek Arabians, you know, when I said, oh, this is my Tevis horse, you know. <laughs> so anyways, um, but everything went according to plan. We did our 650. And uh, we were ready for our first hunting matter in about seven months, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, all together. And um, to the big, uh, you know, like surprise of everybody, including me, we finished in fine shape uh, right in the middle of the pack. And that was the, uh, the year when that, that was the uh, most entrance and the biggest failure rate in the ride. <laughs> so that was quite an accomplishment, but I hand over all the accolades to Monty, because I had no clue what I was doing. (laughs) 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 The credit all goes to the old boy. (laughs) Now, when you say old boy, how old is Monty now? Well, he's about a couple of months away from uh, 33. 
retirement in here, you know, with plenty of food in sunny California. <laughs> right. <laughs> so that's the only one I think. Um, well, actually, no, because Titan, Monty's son, and Pi came to me from uh, Phyllis. You know, uh, Phyllis Falconer are my good friends. Mm-hmm. And um, the rest of them were mine, you know, but like I guess three of them I just inherited. <laughs> um, now, you mentioned to me when we talked before about Blackjack. Can you tell us about Blackjack and his personality? Oh, yeah, Blackjack. He's, he's, he's also uh, a, a family member, Monty's half brother. And uh, he's standing about like, I don't even think he's like 14 hand, you know, like, but he's. Can you imagine a 14-hand horse with Monty's personality? It cracks me up. (laughs) Well, he was a rescue again, you know, like my friends, my well-meaning friends always sending me these pictures. So, like my best friend Kelly says, oh, my God, she says, I found this horse at at, uh, Craigslist for $300, and he's Monty's half-brother. And I said, and he's going to go to the killers. And I said, oh, my gosh, you know. And I just moved. I didn't have enough, you know, like, I mean, I was short on cash and everything. And I said, oh, yeah, well, to put up a collection and everything, you know, but, you know, so I started looking into it, and, well, of course, needless to say, there was no way back after that. Um, I mean, uh, but the horse uh, wasn't a $300 horse. By the time he got to me, it was more like 2600 <laughs> with the shipping and all, you know. <laughs> and the collection I did get, you know, like graciously, you know, I got about $100 towards, towards it, which I'm very grateful for, you know. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, the whole thing, and then I was hoping that, Maybe he'd be my next Debbie's horse, you know, but um, unfortunately he doesn't have the bone. And uh, to my old age in here, I decided that from now on, uh, when I return to this racing, it's going to be only top ten. It's easier to do it fast, you know. <laughs> right. <laughs> but, but, you know, you need certain criteria. I mean, I don't mean the shortness because you can have a short horse, but the cannon bone has to be pretty much eight, eight inches, you know. And this little guy has only seven. So I got gotcha. Well, yeah. why is that that the cannon bone has to, you feel it has to be eight inches? Why is that? Well, you know, like in weight um, uh, ratio, you know, like I'm not a kid anymore, although I'm not fat, but like I'm still like, I mean, there's only so much I can lose, you know. <laughs> so, so like, and plus the saddle and water bottle and whatnot, you know, like, um, like, I mean, I think, you know, a horse would carry about 175 to 180 pounds, you know, and to push for top ten. You know, that that's a lot of push and a lot of pounding on those legs, you know? Right. And uh, so I like to see, you know, like, um, you know, I believe in like a horse should carry one-fifth of his body weight, you know? And um, I believe in this dense bone and this and that, but like, you know, still, you know, like, I mean, it's not uncommon in the Spanish Mustangs to have a short horse with eight-inch cannon bones, you know? And that's mm-hmm. what one of the attractive parts for me about that the, these horses have good bone. Like Geronimo's warrior, you know, he was like barely 14 hand but, and carried 250 pounds, but he had good eight-plus cannons, you know. And um, so he could set a record that way, you know. So gotcha. uh, that's, that's just the criteria that I set for myself, you know. <laughs> now, how many times have you ridden then? How many times have you done the Tevis Cup? Well, actually, it's a race, uh, uh, a 100-miler twice, and then, of course, I did it as part of a 200-miler that's three times, and then I did uh, a 75-mile race on the same trail once, and then I did a 50 that we won with Monty, um, and then, of course, endless of conditioning rides on it, so I know that trail like the back of my hand because I live very close to it. So, <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, um, race-wise, probably about four times. Wow. Okay. Um, now you mentioned to me something about the Jack Slates, and 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 guys, all everyone can correct me if I'm wrong on this. That's a strain within the Spanish Mustang breed. It's a bloodline. It's a bloodline. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Jack, Jack Jack Slate is a horse. Jack Slate is the stallion's oh. name. Yeah. Oh, okay. So Jack Slate is the stallion. It's, exactly. It's, <laughs> okay. I'm sorry. Gosh, I, that's why I wanted to ask about that. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. When. Jack yeah. Slade is Missy's father. Oh, really? Okay. Wow. And wait, this is Jolie. That's a big help. So who's Misty? <laughs> Mountain Mist. Huh? Mountain Mist. Oh, that's Mountain Mist, right? That's yep. one of Sharon's mares. Yeah. yeah. Oh. Yeah. No, ma- no, no. It explains why I like that mare. <laughs> uh huh. <laughs> sure. 
<laughs> now, you know, you told me a really funny story, okay? And I don't know if you want to tell it on the air or not. I'll ask you and you can refuse, but I just love the story you told me about the first horse that you got from Emmett Brislon. Well, I, thought, <laughs> I was hoping that you would because uh, okay. I listened to the interview from yesterday, and I, <laughs> I, I think I, I owe it to, to, to Josie to tell what I learned from that. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Well, and, and also, to add my little narrative, what the really teaching is in this story. So, uh-huh. anyways, uh, that was at the early days, too. Um, I guess, if I am correct, about, when was it, 84, which, again, I was only a, a, a rider, like, you know, for three to four years. So, uh-huh. a novice, by all accounts. And so, anyway, that, this was before I called Phyllis Falcon and I called Emmett, of course, you know, because, well, that's where the horses are, right? <laughs> So I talked to Emmett um, and um, that I needed this, you know, a horse. And again, I was very specific. It had to be like at least seven years old, not younger, da da da. And it preferably a gelding dog. And I said, well, no. He says Emmett in his usual way, not very talkative. He says, well, no. I got a little horse in here. No, no, I don't know, but I think it might just do. And I said, okay, tell me about him. And then he says to me, um, well, he was like brought back by somebody. Some them quarter horse people screwed him up, but. I think he'll he'll do it. He's got a nice trot, a trot and everything. And um, so anyways, I said, there's a little problem, though. And I said, so, okay, what's the problem? And then he says, well, he bucks a little. And I said to myself, not knowing Emmett's background, I said, uh, oh, well, bucks a little, that's okay. I mean, I can handle that. But I didn't for, know. For everybody who doesn't know Emmett Brislin, Emmett has the ba- background of uh, riding bronc riding. So, exactly. Okay, exactly. go ahead. And, you know, like, so the number one, to Josie and to everybody who's listening, uh, <laughs> the main thing I learned from this little encounter is, as, as, as the later happenings, uh, you know, prove me right, that what is little for a bronc rider, ex-bronc rider, is a whole lot for the average horse person. <laughs> <laughs> and, I mean, seriously. And that the main thing is that I learned, I love that little horse, though. I mean, um, that I learned the different bloodlines, the, dis- the distinction between the different bloodlines. Doby line is a very sensitive line. They are really the, the original Cayuse, you know, all nervy, tuned in, sensitive, one-man type horses. You know, now I'm not saying all of them without exception because you can certainly mellow a little bit with the, with the right kind of mare, you know. But by and large, I heard several of the Dolby calls being that type of a horse, you know. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, they need to go to a person who really understands the heart and soul of this breed, you know. And at that point, I was just learning. You know, I was very sensitive. I loved this horse. My heart totally went out for him. But, um, you know, he was too far gone, you know. And uh, to make a long story short even, you know, Emmett was so gracious that he even loaned me Josie to come out to California for six weeks to help me. And... I must say this to Josie, I hate to say this, but she couldn't ride him either. <laughs> so that, that was the only consolation I had, you know, that <laughs> even Josie couldn't ride him. But, um, you know, I mean, I don't hold it against Josie. I mean, the horse was just too far gone, too scared, too frightened. And later on, so um, I arranged, like, I, I spent a lot of money, and I had the most expert people trying to help me, you know, with him. And, um, and there was only one young woman in here who had him for two months and then subsequently ended up riding him barefoot in a 50-mile endurance race and with no incidents whatsoever and just understood this horse, really loved him. And, um, you know, she was the most successful. But um, anyway, I sent him back to Emmett. Emmett said he would take him back. And then uh, later on, you know, a trainer, and I'm not going to use names now, but anyway, uh, that Emmett thought was a pretty good trainer, you know, uh, wanted to have this horse, so Emmett let him take the horse. And I must say, you know, yeah, uh, the horse really attached himself to this particular trainer and uh, working cattle and everything else for four solid years and everything. And then um, this trainer made a huge mistake, failed to recognize, and even trainers make mistakes, failed to recognize that this horse was a one-man horse. His trust was so broken, he restored his trust, and then he let him down by putting a friend of his on the horse four years later, thinking that he's already, you know, had all that bad stuff behind him. Well, mm-hmm. putting a cowboy on this horse, this little horse loves to jump. You know, I, I forgot to tell that. So he sails over this big old log, loses the cowboy, and after that it was all downhill because he just kind of had the nightmares return, whatever it is, and, 
it was secondly bucked the trainer off. And then again, there is another lesson in here. And this, uh, you know, usually I had, and don't take this personal, but male trainers have an ego, okay? And after this incident happened, and we talked because uh, we were business partners for a while, you know, and, um, you know, he was down on the horse. And I was trying to say, I said, no, look, I said, don't do anything. I said, I'm going to call that girl. I said, I'm going to try to place him. It's not the horse's fault. You shouldn't have let that other guy ride him. So anyways, um, uh, I started calling. Tracy, the girl, said, oh, yeah, he'd love to take him. I called back this trainer, and he says, it's too late now. I took him to the auction. There's too many good ones to, to worry about one bad. And that was the oh, end of our bad. business relations. I never talked to that guy again, and I yeah. just, I was I had nightmares about that that whole incident. I tried to find him. I tried to look at every auction place. And uh this is the reason why I never sell a horse straight outright. You know, I sell them with lease option, matching up rider and horse or else half ownership because I don't ever want this kind of situation to to be repeated, you know? Yeah. Yeah, but, I can understand that. Yeah, I mean, I love that little guy, you know, and, and, you know, it's like ego needs to be taken out when you are with horses, especially with this breed, because um, the the main reason I got into with Spanish Mustangs, I love a horse, I love a smart animal, you know, and I don't care if it's smarter than I, because it keeps me on my toes. The older I get, the more stimulation my brain needs anyway, you know. (laughs) (laughs) They're all smarter than me. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But you know that is true with with um, with the Spanish Mustangs. There there are ones that I mean I know I have two full sisters and uh, this one of them anybody can ride, but the other one she's a one person horse really. You know and you she know likes her yeah. yeah she likes her dad and other people are nice and pet her and stuff, but but you know she she's a, she definitely just you know focuses on me so. Um, and uh, so, it, yeah, that that seems to be sometimes what happens. I mean, Dave, you've even had right. You've had one of your horses too, really bond with you. Which was it? Was it Crazy Lakes or Gunrunner? Or? Well, I I've got a number of them that you know they they really like me. Yeah, but where you find that out is when you like I had a little black mare. I was riding her, and I thought she was doing pretty nice, and I was the only one that had ever ridden her, and then I had a person come he was interested in buying her and i saddled her up and i rode her around the yard and showed her what she was doing for me and i thought she was fine to let him get on mm-hmm. and so i because he said could i ride her and i said well i think so and i handed him the reins and she wouldn't even let him on oh. he couldn't even get he couldn't even get a hold of the saddle horn okay. she she didn't know him and she didn't want nothing to do with him so <laughs> Yeah, this, this, there's a, quite a few of them kind of horses in in the Spanish Mustang breed. Right. Yeah. And and uh, it's to me, it's just like what Anne Marie said. They're very sensitive and they're very smart. That's why it's not meanness. It's it's just that they are that sensitive and that smart. And if they don't know you, they're like a dog. You some dogs, you know, they only want to be with their owners. They don't want anybody else. And it's because they are that smart and sensitive. Uh, they don't. They don't feel like they should be handled and, and, and used by everybody. Right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, and that's just it. I know with, with Ricky, that's just it. She's a very sensitive horse, whereas Dancer is nowhere near as sensitive as she is, and anybody can really get on her. The, the, um, you know, the first um, time I seen that happen, I was, I was just going out to Emmett's when I hadn't been, you know, in South Dakota too long living, but I, I went out to Emmett's one time, and he had a white gilding. And when I got there that day, he was out in the corral working some horses off the back of his gilding. And so I just stopped to pick up, and I walked over to the corrals, and I went in the corral, and, and Emmett steps off of his gilding, and, and uh, I'm probably 25 feet. I'm walking up to Emmett, you know, and... and uh, this little gilding is standing right beside him, you know, and man, he's got his ears pinned at me, and he's looking at me like, don't you come any closer, and Emmett just chuckles and laughs, and he says, oh, he thinks he's protecting me, and I thought, wow, that is really pretty neat, isn't it, a little horse that likes his owner and rider so well 
that he's ready to protect him. And a lot of people would have said, oh, he's a mean horse. He's no good. To me, he's one of the smarter ones. Them are the really good horses, I think. Well, Gunrunner does that with you, doesn't he? Oh, yeah, Gunrunner does that, too. Well, Lisa did that, too. And yeah. I got I got a number of them horses because they only I'm the only one that works with some of them horses and that's they do, they don't, they only know me and so a stranger comes and they're like we don't know him I don't want nothing to do with him <laughs> yeah and uh, that's yeah. the way it is <laughs> okay Anne Marie I have another question for you um, now you and I talked about this and and I want you to sort of voice your opinion on it because. And that, um, you know, do you believe in promotion for the horses? And how do you go about promoting the Spanish Mustangs? Oh, that's one of my favorites. I was hoping, again, that you would ask me about that. <laughs> uh, because there's a lot of stuff going around uh, as of late, you know, that, um, you know, I just, just, just don't sit well with me. Yes, I definitely uh, believe promotion is extremely important, um, you know, part of um, uh, saving this horse from extinction probably one of the most important thing, you know. And uh, especially the, by promotion, I mean is taking them out to open shows, pitching them up against uh, the best of the best. And, uh, you know, um, I have done it. I've done it for 28 years, and I have been openly ridiculed, everything. It takes a special kind of person to do this, you know, a person that say, I don't give a damn, you know, even if they laugh at me or whatever, I'm going to show it to them. The other one is 101% uh, facing your horse, you know. That, that, mm-hmm. that the horse can really do it, you know, and uh, and and then that's a, that's an imperative, you know, because you have to go through not so much nowadays because but when when I started 20 years ago, I mean, in here part of endurance country, just Arabians and everything else, I mean, like people were downright nasty to us, you know, and uh, a few years later nobody was laughing and 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 up to this date, and I have not raced Monty for like what like 15 years or something. And uh, everybody still remembers him, you know. But, like, you've got to go through that initial period. And uh, the other thing is, you know, that I, I kind of like, um, uh, you know, like uh, advocate right now is, especially in these tough economic times, you know, I really truly believe in quality versus quantity. And that's my motto of my ranch and my, and my goal for my ranch, you know, uh, uh, quality versus quantity, you know, and uh, and I can, I'm not a hypocrite, because I was just like uh, reviewing it in my mind, I bred like six or seven horses in 20 some odd years, now that's pretty extreme, but it's because I believe in promotion, you know, and you can mm-hmm. do both, and I'm single, and you know, you have to make the money, and then I put it out toward, but then I, you know, go on some of these chat boards, and I managed to kick my butt off of it, you know, <laughs> because I spoke my mind. And anyways, you know, um, because I had a bone with people, relative newcomers, and by that I mean like um, having been around this horse like around like only five, six years or something like this, you know. And, um, you know, they all come in and they say, oh, wow, this is great. You know, I can train a horse, da-da-da. I can pick them up for like 500 bucks at Bezoan Ranch. I put a little training on them, and, man, I'm going to turn a profit. And, you know, and there is some like that, you know. And uh, it doesn't happen that way because then they – come around the breed and they really realize that gee you know like i mean they're not so easy to train you know and they're not so quick you know and but then these same people then they say okay well then uh let's just breed some color you know because oh man you know if i can breed some exotic colors then eye catching i don't even have to train them you know like uh, you know barely hard to break them and people gonna buy them and that worked for a while okay and then this economic downturn happens you know and on these boards, people are belly aching about money. And what do you do? I tell them, don't breed. The breed is, we have enough horses for the time being that, you know, they're not going to die out. Why don't you concentrate, put your money into training your horse, taking them out there, you know, and compete. You know, then people are going to realize, hey, we need a horse like this, you know. I mean, they're easy keepers. They can do the same thing as our big, fat, warm bloods that eat twice as much, you know. And I tell them all this and stuff. And, uh, of course, they don't like to hear it, you know. So um, I got my butt kicked off of one of the most recent boards. The other thing is when, when, people, when people come, you know, and then you know, they put a lot of ego into this, you know. I mean, they come and they immediately start judging people, you know, and, and the breed. Like, uh, I mean, I, I must say, I'll be the first one to say, and, and no offense, man, that there are some pictures about Spanish Mustangs out there and some quality or poor quality horses out there that I'm embarrassed for, Okay. 
But anyways, those are the people that breed numbers over, you know, and they don't know what they're doing, you know. <laughs> and, and anyhow, like um, uh, what, what my big bone has been, what, what has been doing the greatest disservice to this breed is that every time somebody comes into the breed and stuff and they disagree with something, instead of trying to work it out, they say, oh, hell with it. We'll just do our own thing. You know, we're going to have another registry. So, you know, besides the BLM being confusing, now the first of these split-off was the Spanish Bar Breeders Association, you know? I mean, way back when. You know, like, I mean, um, two ladies didn't like the Mustang name. And, yeah, I mean, I must say, you know, yeah, it creates some confusion, but like Emmett and Gilbert, they just wanted to be authentic, you know, and I can see why they chose the Spanish Mustang. But anyway, so Spanish Bar Breeders Association, the same horse took up some, you know, and there was their little thing. Now, if you're going to count, I couldn't even venture to say how many different Spanish colonial horses. Then we have, well, the SSME and the SMR are pretty much the same in my book, you know, but the rest of them, like, I mean, everybody on earth, you know, have a little splinter organization. And it is getting so confusing that it's really doing a disservice to the breed. I mean, I think if you really, truly love this horse, we should get together, try to understand each other, try to work out our differences, you know, and put the horse first, not our egos, not our, uh, you know, views or whatever it is, you know, like, I mean, just let's get together and try to work it out, you know? I mean, that's, that's my opinion, you know? <laughs> <laughs> I guess you got a little well, bit more than what you asked for. <laughs> <laughs> oh, now we're going to just jump all over you, Amber. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I think that, I mean, I sort of agree. The reason I started, of course, my radio show and my website was to try to find a neutral ground where we could make the horse the most important uh, part of it and and not the people who want to um, feather their own cap and use the Spanish Mustang. I mean, because what I see is people see the breed, and because it's not that well known, they think they're going to be the saviors of the breed and the and the top dogs, and they don't really talk to the people who actually saved them or exactly. who've been doing it all this time. And and um, and that's the sad part because um, I, I know I've I've had many a or at least one important teacher in my life, and the way he put it to me, he says, how can you know if you're moving forward if you don't know what the history of what you're doing is from behind? Exactly. You know, yeah. you just don't know where you are. And uh, I think that that's very important. Um, I know as, as a person, because I happen to be, by the way, one of those people who's only had the horses for five or six years. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah, but you but, know uh, what? You were very humble, and you had a great mentor in Dave's person, you know. I mean, Exactly, very, and I was very lucky, yes. You're very yes. fortunate, and if Dave wouldn't be in bloody South Dakota, I would be buying a piece of land next to him, too. <laughs> so I, I must admit I'm not as tough anymore. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think in the wintertime we, we wish we were a little further south, too, so we can hey, you guys are run welcome. a little bit more. Hey, back up. You guys are welcome. I'd love to have you as guests. You know, you might, might just teach me a few tricks in here in California. <laughs> I'm looking out sunshine and green grass, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you guys have got the opportunity to get get moved by a wave, you know. No, 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 not me. I live on a hilltop and uh, at in inland. <laughs> so I'm smart enough to 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 choose my my location in here. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty far away. Yeah. So now let me ask you: Are you getting preparing now for another endurance race? What's the, the next race you're planning to do? I've got to find my horse first. <laughs> yeah, and then you. Well, now there's a reason to come out and see Dave. <laughs> yeah, really. Well, I'd love to seriously. One of these. I, I just bought a lottery ticket yesterday, by the way. <laughs> yeah, and then, then um, the minute I win that puppy, you know, I'd be out there. <laughs> but no, I mean, it's probably just going to bring up some questions, like you know, like well, I got 11 horses, and I'm looking for, and I tell you why, because like I said, I'm. In uh, my golden years, of course, I'm not going to say any specific numbers, and uh, uh, I just decided that I need a gated horse now, you know, and uh, I, and a short horse, like, you know, the maximum height is 
And unfortunately, and that's going to be another good topic in here that brings up size, you know, and all that kind of stuff, because there's been a lot of controversy in within the breed, you know. Right. Um, okay, like the size factor. I happen to have horses that I bred 15, 15, 1, 15, 2, dress size movement, you know, and all that stuff. And I tell you what, they are about as straight as they can be. I can trace them all the way back, you know. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and the sire was a 14-3 hand horse. The dam was a 13-3. You know, mm-hmm. but uh, this brings up another thing. I just love it when people come in. They 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 get all these new clubs going, you know, and then they get their little um, you know, like uh, I don't know how many point inspection thing, you know, and their tape measure and and they say, oh well, is this gonna be this long and that's gonna be that long, you know, and and uh, the horse cannot be taller than 14.2 and all that kind of stuff, you know, because that's a Spanish Mustang. And I tell you, there's such a thing as hybrid vigor, you know, good food, and um, like I am for quality, not quantity, I always, you know, uh, feed them the best feed, supplements, you know, I don't feed off off at all, don't get me wrong, you know, it's all Mm -hmm. prime quality grass, hay, appropriate supplements, you know, for mare and baby, you know, and I got the size, you know, I don't breed for it, but I also know that I got my 15 one hand store by Stallion that I am looking for petite mares for him because I want to keep the, 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 the breed from shooting off, you know? And that's right. what most of these newcomers don't know. They get all accumulate these 15-hand horses. They breed about 15 to the other. Pretty soon they're going to be 16-handers. And, right. you know, this is why I think we need more kind of like uh, educational forums or something about how to breed. And I don't profess, believe me, I am going to be the first one to tell you that I don't claim to be a breeder. I just have a very good gut instinct, you know? But mm-hmm. I did talk to some people. I'm from Hungary originally, and Hungarians go down um, by large, you know, like uh, as one of the best horse breeding nations next to the Irish and all, you know. And uh, I talked to some of the stock farm managers um, um, back in Hungary. Uh, uh, somebody asked me, like uh, the North American Saudi Arabian Society's president asked me to talk to them about their breeding practices. And, you know, this guy told me, you know, the Shadia is one of, like, you know, it's not like on what they call a pure, but it's like a mixture of the, the different Arabian strains. Mm-hmm. And uh, this guy told me, and he was very smart, he says, you know, he says, we want to keep the size, you know, and on 15 hands, you know, and no taller than that because it would compromise the very thing what this breed is all about, you know. So, therefore, ever so often, second, third generation, we throw in a petite Egyptian stud. You know, and I really made a, you know, I made a mental note about that. And this was like a, several years ago, you know. And that's exactly what I, what I am doing. You know, if you got a 15-hand stallion and all that, then you, you know, like look for a smaller mare, vice versa. You got a big 15-hand mare, you know, then you can, you know, take your pick and have a nice, um, you know, like smaller stud. And, and I'm not preaching to Sharon or Dave or by no means, you know, because they know how to do it. <laughs> And this is mainly aimed at new people, you know? Uh-huh. And, and uh, you know, but the thing is, that, that this is with size. You know, at the same time, you know, like, I mean, um, again, I'm not saying names, but there are some old-time breeders that, again, I kind of take a beef with that when they say, oh, well, this horse, you know, like any uh, horse that is like, you know, like 15-hander is ain't no Spanish Mustang. And that's not true either, you know? I mean, like, you know, this breed is not put down as pony, pony breed, you know, and uh, the nice thing about it is that it's, there is a variety in size, 13.3 to 15 the top, you know, and mm-hmm. I mean, I don't believe in any taller than that, you know, and then they don't get, but you know, even in the olden days, how do you know how tall they were, you know, like, I mean, people wearing armors and stuff like this, they couldn't all just ride ponies, you know what I mean, and then I right. just love it when people come up to me and they, you know, like, and they say all this history and da 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 that they know it for sure, you know, that the horse weren't taller than 14.2, <laughs> God, you know? Here's what I've learned. Uh, if if you start in going for just size, you lose breed type. Exactly. Yeah. You're right about that. Yeah. Or color. And or... and and the quarter horse people. I've had quarter horse people tell me the same thing. Because mm-hmm. that it got to be a big fad, and it is a big fad. They, and there's there's cowboys out here. They're looking for sixteen, sixteen two hand horses. You know, and that's but stupid. When yeah. when they do, they always lose their type somewhat. Exactly. Well, look at what happened to the Andalusians, Lusitanos. Mm-hmm. They screwed up. I mean, like, I mean, seriously. And yep. and the thing is, you know, like, again, like, to me, this is why I said the 15. 
I swear that there is nothing but nothing that a 16-hand and plus horse can do that a 15-hand well-built athletic horse cannot, you know? I know it. I know it. I, seriously. No, I you know, agree. That's what I, I agree. Saying. You know, I mean, uh, that's, what I'm, that's what I'm saying, you know? But again, this is where it comes in, again, the promotional side, and I believe in using your horse because mm-hmm. I, you know, I don't breed for anything specific except, you know, I mean, you know, athleticism and, and performance, you know? I myself do endurance. However, on my range, there is a job for everybody. You know, I am trying to get this youth program off the ground, so that's kind of a fortunate situation because then I can have the shorties ridden by kids, you know. But, again, they have to be uh, really well trained, you know, because and this horse has an affinity for kids, but, again, you cannot skip the good basic groundwork and all that, and you put a kid on them and they already know the game, you know. So you don't just start, yeah. oh, well, they're good for kids, you Plunky, because even Black Jack, now, you know, he's adorable and all that kind of stuff, you know, and he comes like a ham to you, but you try to put a five, six-year-old, and uh, I don't know what would happen, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Probably wouldn't kill it, but still, I would yeah. pick him up and all, you know. So <laughs> that's, take over. Yeah, so that's why, you see, I got, uh, luckily, I found a 17-year-old petite girl who is like five foot one and weighs about 85 pounds soaking wet. And she's gonna be she's gonna be the jockey, and that kid has been riding since she was a three year old. So it's kind of nice to see them together. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, so now, so when you mentioned that girl, now you're she's working with one of your horses to ride them in an endurance race. Yeah, actually, you know, like I was just locked out, and I found these girls, darling girls, at the supermarket, one of the local markets, because <laughs> I go and I always talk about horses, and then. This one girl says, oh, I said, do you have horses? Oh, yeah, we have. And she was kind of shy. We have ponies. And I said, oh, that's great. I said, I have some pony-sized horses. And um, so I said, oh, you want to come over and, and ride sometimes? Oh, yeah, that'd be awesome. And she says, well, and then I was leaving. She uh, yells after me. And I have a sister the same size as me. <laughs> and I said, bring her along. They're twins, you know. And, uh-huh. and they're darling, you know, and uh, they're coming from a poorer family, so they really do have, like, some 12-hand ponies, whatever. So my horses, like, 14-handers are real horses for them. And uh, so they started coming over, and I sponsored them with lessons and stuff like this. And uh, Robin, um, the, the, the one, uh, I immediately picked out Jack, you know, and uh, likes to do endurance, and Maida, the other one, is going to do some showing with uh, Pi and then one of my surbass horses, the Ento, you know, because she's interested more in the show and the dressage type of riding. Right. So, um, yeah. you know, so that's going to be kind of nice. <laughs> yeah. well, that's good. Great, great. Yeah, it's good that you can find, uh, especially younger people who, who will work with you with the horses and they get to know them. Yeah, so. yeah. And, like, you know, youth is the future, and that's what, that's what, what, what my whole thing is all about. You know, that I, what I discovered is that kids, uh, these kids have no prejudice. You know, they bond with the horse. You know, they, you can call them Mustangs, whatever you call them. You know, they really speak to the soul of the horse, you know. And there is an adult pretty much has a, a, a set of, most of them have a set mindset about it, you know. And they, mm-hmm. most of the time you talk to them, they don't even hear the word Spanish. They just say, hear the word Mustang. And then they come out and see my horse and it says, oh, they don't look like Mustangs. And I said, yeah. I said, you just miss hearing the word Spanish. Oh, yeah, yeah, you know, and so that's the whole point. There's a kid doesn't care how you call it, you know, like the kid relates to it in a purely, you know, um, like say a natural um, instinct, spiritual level, you know, yeah. and that's why they do so well with them, you know. But I'm yeah. like, again, I stress the importance of safety and good training and everything else. So I'm planning to get a youth program together in here and um, and really uh, get the kids to help me, um, you know, save this horse from extinction by promoting them, you know, accepting them mm-hmm. the way they are, um, know the importance of not to change the breed, but preserve them, preserve them the same way they are. And after that big beef, you know, like uh, that I have with this again, you know, like, I mean, if somebody wants a taller horse, you know, whatever, go. There is enough, to, you know, bigger horses out there, you know. Somebody wants a dumber horse or not so bright, there are enough of them too, you know. But, yeah, no, seriously, you know, but like. I know. Like the, the the true gem of a horse is I don't ever want this this horse to be changed because by right. changing it would mean killing their spirit, and that is the very thing that attracted me the purity the spirit you know um, and it's almost uh, um, uh, it's hard to explain you know like 
allowed in Monty, my relationship with Monty is like, you know, it's almost like a soulmate. And if I tell that right. to somebody else, they always think soulmate can be only a two-legged one. No. I mean, seriously, that old boy, he just reads my heart, practically, you know. And, and he's done stuff throughout the years. We've been together for 23 years that nobody else would, would have done for me. Like a second service, he was 19 years old. And uh, I went through some tough stuff in life. You know, I lost the lease on the ranch, and my horses were scattered all over the place, you know. And um, anyways, Monty was kind of semi-retired at that time. And um, I started riding him just so I wouldn't get depressed and stuff. And then uh, pretty soon a friend of mine says, well, why don't you ride him in the telescope? He's coming along pretty good. And I said, oh, I don't want to kill my best friend. And he says, oh, he says, I, he doesn't look like he's going to kill over. <laughs> so make a long story short, we conditioned for three months and stuff. And bingo, you like, you know, we entered. And I tell you what. Early in the morning at 4 a.m. in the pitch dark, you know, he was feeling so frisky that I asked my friend, I said, hey, do you think he's going to buck me up? And he said, well, he didn't buck you up for like 15 years, so why did he buck you So, but I tell you, I cannot tell that feeling that once we got going, you know, like, I mean, like, he just went like, like, like a young horse, you know. And needless to say, after that race, you know, like, I mean, I didn't, you know, he, he gave me back my self-esteem, you know, everything, you know, and he did that for me. I mean, he really did that for me, you know, just because he knew I needed something, an accomplishment. And he's my best friend, so he gave it to me. It's, 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 it's really, a, truly a rare thing, you know? Yep. Yeah. We'll always give more than we give. Exactly. Yeah. 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 That's for sure. If we ask him right. Yep. If we ask them right, yeah. Well, but that, I think, is the the whole beauty of it is that when you have a Spanish Mustang and you really, if you can learn how to just be with them first and foremost, and yep. then when you train with them, be honest with them all the time and, and work with them as equals. Don't work with them as I'm the power yep. and you're the thing exactly. that's just going to do anything. what happens with so many trainers, and I used to train for the public some too, and here's what happens. You start going at it like with a routine, like it's it's I got to get this done and this done, and and then horses know when you really like them, and they know when you don't, mm-hmm. and you'll get in trouble. Mm-hmm. Most trainers that you see are working for the public out there. They they got a drill they go through, and you watch their horses. So many of them, their horses are really not happy. Mm-hmm. It's because they know that that trainer really doesn't, he, it's a job to him. Mm-hmm. But it, you, you take their horses that they really like, you watch them horses work. They work with a better attitude because they know their owner likes them better. They yeah. know when they like when, when we like them and they know when we don't like them. And I've learned, I'm, the older I get, the more I learn about that stuff. <laughs> yeah, and, uh, yeah. I really believe that. They know more about us than we know about them. Uh, you, you said you spoke the truth. And then again, about a Montana story, I used to rent from a veterinarian, Kerry Ridgeway, very famous endurance vet, Arabian person, okay? Mm-hmm. And he used to tell me, kind of like jokingly, oh, well, you know, why don't you just, this horse belongs to the field, you know, why don't you hook him up to a plow? Well, guess what happened? When Monty got near close to him, he never missed an opportunity to put his nose into his stomach and shove him four feet. Then he would say to me, I'll put a goddamn stutch in on that son of a bitch, part of my language. <laughs> and he said, teach him some manners. And I, you know, I didn't want to say, I said, hey, you should be nicer to him. And, you know, it was really interesting. You know, I really respect him for this, you know, that he'd be like, like Donna Monty and stuff until he started running on those uh, multi-day races, you know. And uh, so we started top tenning and everything, and then he tells me, oh, yeah, okay, well, he's okay, but the, the, the thermal regulation, you know, like, is like the Mustangs, they just have thicker skins, they just can't compete with Arabians. But I tell you what, um, that was our all-over best year, 1990. Uh, I did three sets of uh, 250s, you know, uh, starting with the Spring XP, you know, and... Uh, the Applegate last one, in which, like, rained every day, you know, like, snowing on the last day, and uh, we came in second overall, you know, of, mm-hmm. uh, I was riding Monty and, and, you know, against fresh horses and everything else. And he wasn't even clipped, you know, because I don't believe in that kind of stuff, you know. Right. So anyway, barely two weeks later, we go to the desert, and we did a, do the summer XP 
in which it was like 100 degrees in the desert, okay? So um, at that time, I did a trace clip on him and everything else, you know, and uh, God dang, if we didn't win, you know? We just won. I bad condition on the fourth day, everything. I'm dancing around like, you know, bringing it home. And so as well, Carrie, I said, how is this for thermal regulation? <laughs> <laughs> and I tell you what, he actually apologized. He says, well, geez, I'm sorry. I said, I guess we can all learn. I said, he's a great horse. And guess what happened? Monty never shot him. And after that one, he never showed him. No, seriously. Like, you know, like, I mean, like, he understands English or something, you know. (laughs) Well, seriously. Like, I mean, because there was another vet at one of the rides that kind of, like, must not have liked him because he shoved him. But there was was another vet on on the Coeno Creek ride that when the minute he started trotting out, he says, oh, wow, well, you look at that horse. He says, I have never seen a great trot like this. And Monty just stood there so proud, and he never shoved him either. You know? <laughs> well, because, you oh, know, yeah. he knows. He knows. Mm-hmm. And they the know. other thing I'd like to, I mean, Dave was absolutely 100% right. But the beauty of this breed is that um, you can't use the same technique on every single one of them. You know? Nope. They're all little individual. individual. They're individual. And you can't really rush them either. So I figured out, when I got a new horse in here, you know, especially one that had problems with people and stuff, I take my sweet time getting on them. Like uh, the the very recent example is I got this really beautiful little mare out of uh, the Choctaw line, Amiga. And um, I looked at her history. Last year I got her, last December. Eight years she was, she had four different owners. And she was a scared little rabbit when she came to me. She was skinny. She was came to me in a neglected form. I sneezed and she jumped two feet high up. And I said, wow, you know, and she was gated and everything, 14 to just perfectly built. You know, you would think that, oh, man, I could just itching to get my saddle on this horse and jump on high-ho, tally-ho, let's start endurance training, right? <laughs> and I tell you, I started thinking, and I said, okay, this mare and I got a lot of bonding to do in here. And coincidentally, the mare has been with me for a year, never saw a saddle yet in my hand. And uh, she's going to see it, though, in a couple of months or one month, depending <laughs> on the weather. But And then this person I was getting the horse from, um, says, I mean, I'm sure that she's wondering why I don't ride this horse, you know. And uh, I, you know, I think, you know, I feel now that she's going to be ready. And I do a lot of hand jogging, you know, grooming, hand jogging, you know, she's get, getting the best food, you know, and I watch her. And I mean... Before she used to just like, go into her corral, and I surprise her. She'll just bolt right out, and she's oh my god, you know. And then she snorts, and then she kind of comes up to me, like taking deep breaths and saying, "Oh, I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to get scared of you," <laughs> you know, kind of deal. Yeah. And you know, I watch her reaction and everything. And my whole idea is like you know, with mares like this, you know, earn their confidence, trust, and respect for most of all, you know. Yep. And uh, when I jog with them and everything and they spook of something, I immediately say, ho, and then I take a deep breath, put my hands on them, start calmly breathing and petting them and telling them it's okay. Because I tell yeah. you one thing, you know, once they start responding to your touch and your voice, that's the only thing that's going to save you in the saddle, you know? Yep, <laughs> And I have right. what I used to be. I don't bounce so good, and I don't <laughs> do the emergency dismount so good either. So I'm yeah. trying to look for things that... You know, a bond between a horse and the rider and the touch and the sound is something that you can do from the saddle as well, you know? Yep. Oh, and, yeah. Yeah, and so I'm taking my time, hey? You know, I mean, that's all. You know, like, yeah. I mean, I'm not into suicide. When I get on a horse, you know, like, I mean, I need to stay on. I mean, <laughs> there's no question yeah. about it. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Well, I know for me, I, I tend to use horse language. I mean, I I do my lip licking. Like, if something happens with them, they get a little scared, and then they calm down. Then I'll sit on the horse and I'll just like you know how they sort of lip, lick their lips and start thinking you know, mm-hmm. and I'll just do that like I'm thinking over what just happened to us. Oh yeah. And boy, they know what that means. And then they'll sit there, and the next thing you know, you'll feel their breath let out. Yeah. Then they'll lick you know, and they're like, okay, because he's relaxed you know. And I'll do the same thing if if they get upset, I just call their name and I say, hey guys, wake up you know, just that's all right, it's okay. It's nothing, it's just, a, you know, it's just a rabbit or it's just a rock. And uh, it makes a difference. They get knowing that and then they know that, you know, okay, it's okay, you know, because I'm not getting upset. They sort of look to me at that point when I'm riding them to, to see how upset I am. Well, that's, that's true. And, you know, you really, 
you know, you really um, uh, speak truth in here, and that's really great, you know, like having people like you come in and immediately wanting to learn about the breed and immediately being able to grab the essence of what these horses and how to relate to them. There is different variations and stuff. Certainly yours is an extremely good one, you know, like, I mean, it takes time to tune in and observe behavior and stuff, but you're going about it the right way, you know, that's all I got to yeah. say, you know. Yeah, well, I think for me I am. I think that's the important thing, you know. I mean, I believe me, I've watched Dave do things, and he just amazes me how he keeps coming up with new techniques to deal with his horses. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I've known Dave six years now, and he is not doing it the same way he was six well, that's years what ago. Him an ex- an extremely good <laughs> you know. and I wish I could see some videos. Am I right, Dave, there when I say that? Or? Oh, yeah. yeah. I'm, I, I'm like what Tom Dorn said. Huh? He said that people will come up to me and they say, well, last year you you didn't do it like like you're doing it now. How come you changed? And Tom's response was, well, I don't know. All I can say is, well, that was last year, and now this is this year. <laughs> <laughs> and that was that was a white horse. Today is a black horse, right? <laughs> well, you know, so speaking of Tom um, uh, or Bill Dorrance, rather like the old guy, um, I have his book too, and um, it's really funny because um, most of these uh, uh, fabulous Pet Parelli, Ray Hunt, and all these John Lyons, they all seem to bug Brannaman, the, the 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 fabulous uh, horse whisperers seem to learn their technique from him, right? Mm-hmm. So I get their big book, okay, and the first goddamn thing that sticks in my mind is that somebody asked, um, you know, uh, Bill, he says, um, well, or he says, okay, if you want to have a good horse, you know, um, that does what you want him to do and everything else, you need two things, time and more time. And I immediately, I said, geez, you know, I said, I don't know how they could corrupt <laughs> this philosophy so bad that then Pat Porelli and Rehan do this clinics when they break a horse in three days. You know what I mean? I mean, that's kind of a pretty oxymoron. I mean, the old, old, you know, guy's probably turning in his grave or something right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, Tom said one time, too, he said, uh, well, this might might take you 30 years to learn this way of training, if you ever do. <laughs> I tell people, I'm one of them, if I ever do. <laughs> well, you see, that's what I mean. And, then you know, people just go in there and they pick out whatever they want, but then don't use the poor guy Jen's name because that's not what he, they that's missing the whole boat. No, you know? I know. Yeah. yeah, and, and you know, and it's like, um, yeah, I have his book. I'm not a Western writer, but, like, uh, it's more or less like, you know, like he was a horse psychologist in my book, you know. I mean, I have to get myself through his lingo a little bit, you know, because the way he talks, but <laughs> by and large, you know, like I read it more, uh, like, you know, chapters more often or something, mm-hmm. and I always get the essence out of it, but... Basically, to me, what he speaks is patience, patience, and patience, and read your horse, and, um, you know, like, and treat them as individuals and respect them, you know? Right. Whereas, exactly. like, yeah. you know, John Lyons always, you know, that's another thing with John Lyons, you know, he always advocates, and even Perales, that you got to be, you have to be the boss, you know, and then you have, you have to dominate that horse and stuff like that, you know? And even if they advocated that you do it with a horse language or something. But, hey, you know what I mean? With Monty, if I would have gone with Monty on this technique that they advocate, I tell you what, Monty would have bucked my ass off so bad, mm-hmm. and yep. he would have never been able to do what we have done together. No, nope, you never would have got as close as you are. No, you know yeah. what Because you have to respect the horse. Yeah. yeah, and the thing is, Montana is the king. You know, I mean, he's 33 years old. He still is the king. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. when I sit on that horse, he cocks one ear, and horses part like Red Sea. And now uh, you can't come up to a horse like that and try to jerk him around and, nope. and, 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 and try Dominating. to... Dominate No, yeah. I mean, and, and, and that's why I can get along with the Jack Slade line. The Jack Slade line demands respect. They demand respect, and they are about the most loyal, faithful line and the, have the most work ethic of any horse I've ever known. And that's why I just love Jack Slade. But a lot of people can't get along with them, you know? Because well. they probably want to beat them into submission <laughs> or whatever, and they don't work like that. You know, even Pi, you know, Pi is a kid's horse. You know, but he is like, you know, little Pi, you know, the Monty's grandson who won all those awards in eventing and everything else, you know, and he just loves kids. But I watch mm-hmm. this horse, and it makes me laugh because if you put a little kid on him, and they're not as experienced. He walks like he would be walking on eggshells. Mm-hmm. And, and if it's not yeah. a trail... <laughs> And yep. and and he knows that the trail goes to the right, but there is a big tree to the left. That he very carefully goes, makes a little circle, and 
goes back right to the same trail and feels very pleased with himself. You know? Yep. yep. <laughs> but he doesn't hurt the kid, but he's just like he has to have his way, you know? Yeah. <laughs> like, and, and, and Monty's the same way. Like, he dunked a few people in the creek, you know, for me. <laughs> my, my fr- no, well, you know, because he loves water for one, okay? And I discovered that. So, like, you know, I always ride a little riding crop. I very rarely use it, but when we get to the creek crossing at the beginning, first year, you know, I had to use it on it because I didn't want to get dunked, you know. So I must <laughs> tell my doctor friend who was riding him, well, there goes Dr. Connolly riding the creek. <laughs> and I said, oh, geez, Roy, I'm sorry, I forgot to tell you that he likes to take a swim in the creek, you know. <laughs> and then there was another friend of mine, a girl, you know, and then we had to buy her a T-shirt because she's going to local restaurant with this wet T-shirt on her. <laughs> <laughs> So, you know, but these are minor things, you know, but but it's like he gets his little revenge, you know, like <laughs> one way or another, you know. <laughs> well, he's not dunking me because he kind of knows that, you know, mom knows, you know. If you can just one yeah. step ahead of them, you know. <laughs> yeah, he liked that That's... laughing you were doing. <laughs> yeah. Exactly, yeah. Well, you know, and then I used to just squeal at him, like, you know, when he does something and I squeal, and then my girlfriend, one of my girlfriends says, Oh, he just does that because he loves to hear you squeal. <laughs> <laughs> and that's most likely true, too. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, I mean, his, uh, his horses are so colorful. There is never a boring minute with these guys. With these guys you know? nope, and, I mean, like, you know, when there is, like, a ho-hum kind of a horse that floods down the trail, like, always the same way and da-da-da-da-da, yeah. it's no fun, you know? Yeah, but, I told that I told that to Dave the other day. We were talking about horses. And I told him about Dancer, and I said, you know, it's just like you you know that she's just sitting there thinking, now what else can I do new that I haven't done before? You know, <laughs> it's it's like she's got this new thing now where she she wants to take off, you know, to lope. You go, okay, let's lope, Dancer. Let's gallop. Let's go. And she's got to this. She never did this before, but all of a sudden she's got to do this. She does two or three just back foot straight up, just back kicks, you know, uh-huh. and she'll just be galloping along and then wham, 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 she'll do those three and then she'll just pick up speed and take off, you know, <laughs> and <laughs> she doesn't it whether I'm on her now or not, I mean, I watch her now out there and this is something she's never done before, you, you mean know? like you're sitting on him or not? Yeah, even if I'm sitting on her, yeah, oh, oh yeah, I'm sitting on her and uh, let's lope, you know, Cause, and, and then she just, all right, let's go, and then she's just got to... All of a sudden, she's picked up this thing where she's got to do this couple of back kicks first before oh, she wow. just takes off, you know. <laughs> it's like, did, did they, where the hell did that come from? I didn't teach her that. You know? Well, they know the difference, though, you know, because, like, yeah, I'm not saying, like, Monty, when in his younger days especially, when he was turned out to the pasture, he used to buck like an expert horse, and then people used to look at me, do you ride that horse? <laughs> and I used to just kind of like straighten up and like, oh, yes, I do, sorry. And I said, well, he never does that when I ride him. <laughs> <laughs> but that's the whole point. You know, he shows it to me. You know, and the other thing that he do- does that is very peculiar, you know, like, not very peculiar. Well, I mean, like for people who know Spanish Mustangs that I used to hate it when I was like first, I mean, this is the first couple of years when I had him. Like he was pastured when there was an old top. Every time he saw me coming with the bridle or halter or something, he just took off in a gallop right up on top of that freaking hill. And I had to go and climb that hill to get him. Now, when I got to him, he wouldn't run away. But he let me halter him and everything. But he figured, well, he's going to take me to work, so might as well work for it, you know? <laughs> That's right. Yeah. My horses do the same thing. They'll be standing right outside the door. I'll go get the halter, and it's like, oh, we got to go. <laughs> and they've got the furthest end of the pasture, and they just stand there and they look at me, you know, and I'm like, all right, so what you want is you need me to warm up before we go riding. Is that it? You know, because then they'll just stand there. I'll go over there and pet them and, you know, halter them and walk them back, you know. <laughs> well, yeah, you know, and that's the whole point. Like, you know, for some people that would seem like they're disobedient or whatever it is, you know, and, and you know, and then another common thing that you hear oftentimes probably that, oh, they're too stubborn. Well, I'll tell you one thing. You know, like in my book, you know, like if, if any of my Spanish Mustang gets stubborn on me out on the trail, I better look twice around. What am I trying to take them through? Because, you know, uh, my, my very beginning year, it wasn't a Spanish Mustang. It was, <laughs> if it was, it wouldn't have happened. <laughs> we got into quicksand, you know. 
And I tell mm-hmm. you, that was the scariest damn experience of my life. You know, that was this little half-sitter, but half-mustang mare, my first horse. And we were crossing a creek crossing or something, and up to her butt, we were in quicksand. And I, up to date, I don't know how that poor little horse heaved herself out of um, the mud, you know. But she mm. did, but then for two years, I couldn't even drag her close to the puddle, you know. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, you know, it's it's just one of oh, these yeah. situations, you know, and... And ice, too, you know, like I noticed it, that all my Spanish Mustangs, when we ride wintertime, you know, they come to a puddle iced over, they come to a screeching halt, and they stomp on it, just one forefoot, you know? And mm-hmm. just to test how deep that thing is. And then once they figure that it's just a puddle, then they go right through it, you know, carefully, mm-hmm. but go through it, you know? So they are extremely, I mean, this is that innate sense that I love, and I would never want to breed out of them, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and, and that's, that's what I appreciate, you know? And a lot of people don't understand these things, you know, like, no. and, you know, why did it this? Why did that? You know, and uh, I think we just need a little bit more education and, and, and develop a little bit more appreciation. And that's why I'm trying to teach the kids, you know, of all these different things, you know, that other people, adults would label like this is stubbornness, this is this, this is that, you know, like that the kids would know the true reasons behind them and, and, and learn to appreciate it as much as I do, you know? Right. Yeah, right. Well, guys, we're going to cut it off here. I'm sorry. To, I'm going to cut you off, Anne Marie. <laughs> 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 no, I hope it was a real good talk show. <laughs> <laughs> well, I try to keep a, the shows in an hour because most people, an hour is about their limit even when they download them because they listen to shows and stuff in their car or while they're at the dentist office waiting because you can wait up to a good hour to see your doctor or your dentist, you know. And uh, and so I try to keep them at that point. But we'll have you on again, and we'll just talk more about it. Because I was going to say, I, when you said the limit, I said, well, you don't know me, Ben. <laughs> <laughs> I could talk for two hours. Thank you very much for inviting. I really enjoyed it. You know? Sure, now, you can, you can stay after we, I mean, you can keep talking to us. It's just that we're going to end the show, so okay. um, the recorded <laughs> part of the show anyways. Okay. okay. So, so folks, thanks for listening, and we hope you'll visit our companion website, SpanishMustangWorld.com. Um, actually, we don't know who we'll be interviewing at the next show, but I'm hoping to have Bryant Rickman on and have Bryant talk about the history of the blackjack horses, um, where they, you know, what what horses they were, and where they are today as of 2009. Uh, there's been a lot of changes in relations to those horses. So we hope that you'll all tune in and listen. And um, thank you all for listening. Thank you, Anne-Marie, for being on the show, and uh, Dave and Julie for running the board. Thanks for inviting me. (laughs) (laughs) So long. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.